listening? Damn. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Damn Podcast. I am your host, Angie Machado, publisher of BeaverBlitz.com, part of the 24-7 sports network of sites. Joined with me, as always, is our fearless beat writer down in Corvallis, Jake Hedberg. Jake, tough night on Saturday, but how are we doing today, Monday? Yeah, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Pretty excited to get to to head back home on uh, tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, Excited for what appears to be the last edition of the Civil War on Friday. Yeah, it's going to be um, interesting. We're going to actually talk about that a little bit. Uh, Civil War, well, we're going to talk about the Civil War game a lot. Um, I do want to kind of touch on the potential for a Civil War down uh, maybe in the in the future. Um, some kind of new things being brought to light here that I've been hearing about today um, and late last week. So tough, tough loss for Oregon State. Um, but the atmosphere, even if it was pouring down rain, it was it was good. Um, a quick rundown of the show. We're going. Jake and I are going to break down that loss to Washington, uh, twenty-two to twenty uh, on that loss to, to the Huskies. We're going to uh, dive in and look at the Pac-12 as they did as a on, as a whole. We're going to preview the Civil War, and then get to some mailbag questions. We actually had a special guest lined up today, and it was a player, and he let us know that he got injured today at practice, and he will not be able to join us because he's an X-ray. So I'm not going to divulge who is going to join us, but just know that we tried and uh, we're going to say it's kind of beat up right now. So um, let's just start. Oh, and then I also have a really, really cool promo to tell you guys about if you're not members of Beaver Blitz. I'm going to probably hype it a little bit uh, more than normal, but just so you guys know, tonight, Monday night at midnight, we flip the switch for our 75% off Black Friday special. So if you're not a member, now is the time to jump or tonight, tomorrow is the time to jump on and get that full year membership for under $27. Best deal you will see all year. And uh, I know several have been waiting for this deal. So we'll talk a little bit more, a little bit more about that. If you have questions or comments, please put them in the chat and Jake and I'll get to them. But let's just jump right in. 22 to 20, Oregon State fell to the Huskies. Big game. I mean, it had that big game feeling to it. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet, Chris Fowler were in attendance. Jake, give me just kind of your your off the cuff feelings on that on that loss. You know, it was definitely a tough loss. Um, it was a very winnable game. I thought. I thought that Washington didn't necessarily win the game. I feel like Oregon State had opportunities to win, but they failed to capitalize on them. You know, whether that was due to play calling issues or just execution. Um, there was room for improvement where if, if Oregon State did a few things a little better than I, I think Oregon State w- would have won that game. Um, on the bright side, I thought Oregon State's defense did fantastic. Um, holding, They became the second team all year to hold Washington to below 30 points. Um, and really, they shut Michael Penix down. He had a, a completion percentage of under 50%. He did throw two touchdowns to Roma Dunze, but – as a whole, I thought Oregon State did very well, particularly in the second half defensively. Um, shout out to two true freshmen, uh, Andre Jordan and Jermod McCoy. I thought they both played fantastic going up against, I mean, arguably the best receiving room in the country. Um, and they held their own. Jordan Jermod both had passes broken up. Really excited about those two futures. And the offense side of the ball, I thought Damian Martinez Overall, played his best game. While statistically it may not have been, he ran the ball. I thought the hardest he's ran all year. Uh, highlight plays, a spin move, just absolutely trucking a Washington defender. But the negatives of the game, I thought the downfield passing game struggled, which we really it, – it hadn't ever really been great this year, but it hadn't been this poor. Um, I don't believe Oregon State had a completion on a pass that traveled longer than 20 yards through the air. Uh, And then the offensive line, which we have seen under Coach M and Coach Smith, really be the strength of Oregon State and uh, really defines the brand of football that Oregon State wants to play. I thought they got outplayed. The Washington front seven 
did, they did tremendous. They had seven tackles for loss, which was the most Oregon State has given up all year. Um, and really, <clears throat> for the strength of Oregon State's team to lose that battle, I think was one of the differences in in Saturday's game. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about that because you know we we all, all you know squeeze in and then leading up to this game with Washington, all talk has been around Washington's offense and their potent offense. Did that defense? Their defense looked pretty solid. I mean, did yeah. that surprise you? Um, yeah, it, it did. Honestly, I wasn't really buying Washington's defense. You know, they hadn't played poor, but they hadn't really played spectacular either. And uh, a guy that I was really impressed by was the cornerback Jabbar Muhammad. Oregon State could not throw the ball in his direction. He had countless passes broken up, two interceptions, and really just he was a big part of the reason why Oregon State couldn't push the ball down the field. Um, and then their front seven, I thought, played well. Um, they held Damian Martinez to not a. I mean, Damian did play very well, but his average yards per carry was relatively low to what it has been. Um, so credit to the Washington coaching staff for executing their game plan. And I honestly thought Oregon State executed their game plan the way they wanted to. They controlled the football. Well, uh, I think the time of possession was like 38 to 22 Oregon State. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Which it didn't seem like Washington. I think Washington had maybe three or four possessions in the whole second half. Um, but Oregon State just couldn't execute on that final drive. Yeah, I mean, when if you would have told me that Oregon State had close to eight minutes – um, down by two to just get down and score yeah. a field goal. I would have liked said I like the chances, and they just couldn't couldn't make it happen. Um, so yeah, Martinez had the most carries that he's had all season. I think um, in his career too. In his career, yeah. So and we only saw what three carries for Fenwick. Three for Deshaun Fenwick, one for Isaiah Newell. Okay, so it was a, the Damian Martinez show. Um, DJU I thought ran the ball pretty well too. Yeah, that was. I think that was the most effectively. He utilized his legs all year. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, a little cold. <clears throat> uh -oh. The yards after contact, um, I thought from DJ was huge. You know, he, there were multiple instances of him being hit, you know, behind the line or uh, a yard or two in front of the line and then breaking tackles and picking up yardage to gain a first down, um, which really I, I'm expecting the coaching staff to utilize this some more against Oregon this weekend. Yeah, no, it was um, – I, I thought DJ did an amazing job. Um, his best run of the night came, though, and then it was negated by a yes. – I thought questionable – I went back and rewatched it – a questionable holding call that they called called it back. Was that the one on Jake Levengood? Yes, yes. Yeah. So that wasn't – you know, there was a couple interesting calls. I, you know, you and I mentioned talked to each other during the game about the, the penalty yards were very similar. Yeah. But it did seem that Washington was getting some really uh timely calls, I guess I should say, to either extend drives or or mm -hmm. shut down the beeves. It, it it is what it is. I mean, I think yeah. this whole season, Oregon State's known that they're gonna have to fight for what they what they get. Um and they just didn't execute enough times yeah. um on Saturday, especially against a good team. I mean, nothing Washington is a mm -hmm. solid team. Um it's going to be interesting. The defense, like you said, I, well, what, okay. What do you think needs work on the offensive side? The downfield passing game. Um, I, that to me, you can't win the game being one dimensional and Oregon state for the most part was they couldn't, they didn't have much of a downfield passing game at all. Um, which was a reason why Oregon state lost games last year as well. Um, obviously DJ has been much better than Goldbranson was last year, but, if that's not fixed against Oregon, I don't see Oregon State beating them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is – I mean, we, we've had this kind of this two-week span kind of highlight it for the whole season. This is a, a two-week pretty brutal span for, for Oregon State. Um, do you think it's more route running? Do you think it's play calling? Do you think it is um, just the receivers not getting separation? What do you think is the biggest culprit here? You know, I think it's a mixture of all three of those. Um the play calling at times was a little suspect on the last drive, especially, you know. That has taken a ton of um, discussion in the Lodge League, yeah. uh, that last drive and the, the downfield passes. Yeah, you know, for me, what had worked for Oregon State was running the ball with DJ and Damon. They tended to steer away from that. You know, I get passing on first and 10, but if there is an, if there is an incompletion, then I don't understand throwing it again. 
because the downfield pass game hadn't worked all game. And now you're, instead of giving yourself a third and four, third and five, picking up half of that on a run, you're throwing another incompletion down the field, which just sets you up for really what happened at the end of the game, which was a fourth and a fourth and full fourth, fourth and five that Oregon State couldn't convert on. Yeah, um, yeah, it was. It, and it's totally deviating kind of from what Oregon State has done in the past. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, through the passing game with the personnel wise, separation has been an issue against more physical corners. Um, Silas Bold and Anthony Gould are two great receivers, but they are small guys. And playing against, you know, more physical corners like Jabbar Muhammad, there is potential f- to not get that separation that they would usually get with their speed. And I, I think we did kind of see some. Um, we did kind of see some of that in the second half last night or Saturday. Yeah. And the rain, I think, had a had a part too. But yeah. I mean, you know, and and hats off to Michael Penix because he really is the real deal. He's he's yeah. a solid, solid quarterback. And tough like you said, to Roma play, he yeah. yeah, he he delivered the the crowd. Um, hats off to Beaver Nation because you guys were loud and and um, it was pretty ruckus in there. But um, no, it was. I, I thought the defense actually played one of their best games. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, no, they didn't allow a score in the whole yeah. second half. Tackling um, was the issue in the first quarter, but yeah. after that, I thought, I thought Trent Bray got his guys ready to go. So do we? So do we know? Um, so you you mentioned McCoy and uh, well Jack Connie came in and yeah, um, Andre Jordan came in. So three younger young guys, two fr- two freshmen, and then a, a younger so, guy with Jack Connie. Do we know, was that scheme or was that because of injury that those guys came out? Yeah, so we, so Jaden Robinson and Achille Arnold both suffered injuries in the third quarter. Um, are yet to get a definitive answer. Coach Smith was a little vague during his press conference. Um, but if Oregon State does not get those guys back, they could be at a huge disadvantage this weekend. Um, Oregon is fantastic during the ball. Bo Nix is a legitimate Heisman Trophy contender Troy Franklin's a great receiver Tez Johnson as well is fantastic and if Oregon State has those younger guys going up (coughs) going up against those talented receivers they may not necessarily play as well as they did uh against the Washington guys however I do feel like coach Blue and coach and coach Perkins have really drilled this you know next guy up mentality in and I think these guys are going to come out prepared and ready to play yeah I do too I I think you know, you and I, we've talked all season and before the season began that that was a, a area of concern was just the secondary as a whole and then depth at secondary. And and yeah. what we're seeing is, I mean, we're seeing, especially Jermaud McCoy grow up in front of our yeah. eyes and, and very quickly because, Fantastic. you know, some of those young freshmen I've seen over the years as watching Beaver football have taken their lumps as freshman year and yeah. taken a year or two to get their feet under them. So he is, he's growing up quickly. And, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, you're right. It's next man up. And yeah. Um, I mean, we did. Uh, Hanelli Bloomfield looked to suffer, yeah. suffer the most serious injury of the game. Um, he's out. <coughs> Poor Jake. You get the, yeah. the frat flu. I think it's from uh, being out in the rain on Saturday. Rain. Yeah. yeah. Here's a here's a comment in the chat. I was just going to pop up. Um, back to the offense. Deep. Uh, what is it? Backmaster nine eight four. DJ's timing was late on the outside patterns and throwing against their best record their best corner. Yeah, I thought he was a little late too. Um, yeah. I think one thing that could be credited to is the Washington corners jamming the Oregon State receivers and, you know, not letting them get out their breaks as as to what they normally would, which does throw off timing and would explain why his timing was so late. Um, which is why I'd like to see more, like, you know, slants and <coughs> quick, quick, uh, a little more fly sweeps. And yeah, you guys hear me every single year, it seems like I kind of harp on that. But, um, okay, so – the injury update um, that we know. So Levin Good is back, or he was back for, for Washington. Yep. Uh, we did uh, lose Br- uh, Bloomfield. He will be out. And then we saw Flavio Gonzalez come in for him. Grant Stark, what do you, what's the latest on him? On Stark? Yeah. Uh, Coach Smith said optimistic. Um, we shall see what that entails on Friday. Optimistic and day-to-day. Those are kind of Coach yeah. Smith's two go-tos. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, do you think we see Stark? Not much of a tell. I I am more confident that we see Stark than a Achille Arnold or Jaden Robinson. Um, one thing that is a little concerning is Stark didn't even go through warmups. He did practice today lightly, according to Coach Smith. So hopefully okay. that can get ramped up. Uh, so he 
just ready to go on Friday because Flavio Gonzalez, haven't really seen him a whole lot, don't really know what, what he brings to the table. And to make your first career start at Oregon in a hostile environment is a tough test for anybody. So yeah, hopefully he's a, a top 10 team. So that's um, he better be ready to go. Yeah. Uh, Akili, we did see on the sideline with a boot that, I mean, it can be serious and it can be a sprained ankle <laughs> that they just want to try to heal quicker. So um, we'll, we'll keep you posted if we hear anything, but I have a feeling um, this week is going to be pretty quiet as far as injuries go, um, not to give too much away to the other team. You know, uh, another thing that kind of stands out to me in terms of injuries is the secondary. They've, if you look at it, they're the only one of their starters entering the season that is truly fully healthy right now is Katana is Katana Oladapu because Skylar Thomas tore his ACL. ACL. Tyree Zivey out for the year. Ryan Cooper's been banged up all year. Achille Arnold's now banged up. Noble Thomas haven't seen him in a few weeks. Alton Julian's out for the rest of the season as well. So really those guys were considered their main seven heading into the season, and only one of them is fully healthy. Yeah, and now and Jane Robinson too. Yeah, and Jane Robinson is banged up now as well. I forgot to say him, but really Katan is the only fully healthy that we're aware of. Um, he could not even be 100% too at this point in the season. Okay, speaking of Katan, I mean, A, amazing story for him. Yeah. How about that play where he yeah. ran down? I mean, saved a touchdown and and punched that ball out uh, early in the in the game. For yeah, that was huge. I mean, he he saved a touchdown there. Um, unfortunately, Oregon State couldn't capitalize on that as they gave it right back to Washington. But you know, to make that kind of play, chase a guy down and and not only tackle him but give Oregon State the ball back was huge. Um, I thought it could have given Oregon State a ton of momentum and and I think it was on track too until the fumble occurred, um, you know, great play. Um, I'm, I'm glad Katan could go out there and, and make a huge play in his last game. You know, a kid who's been, really been with Coach Smith since day one uh, and really, in my opinion, is one of, of is one of many great former walk-ons that have had success at Oregon State. Yeah, yeah, and you could tell he was the first uh, player in post-game to do interviews, and you could tell that one hurt, you know, he – was pretty emotional and uh, you could tell he really wanted that win. And um, yeah, that one, that one's going to weigh on him for a little bit, but um, big game for him. Like I said, the whole defense really played, played stellar. Um, and just, you, know, you think back to the, the snapped, the over the head snap punt, yeah. um, long snap. Um, there just, there was a couple, you know, surprising, you know, I mean, I think when you, when you break down that game, I mean, playing a team like Oregon or like Washington, a, a top 10 program, the key there is Oregon State's going to have to play near flawless and mm -hmm. to see the mistakes that were made. In, and I think what was uncharacteristic about Saturday night was those plays were by some of the, you know, veteran leaders, you know, Anthony Gould fielding a punt in the five yard line yeah. um, later in the game or the, the high snap over the head that led to a two point safety. Um, Levin Goods <coughs> uh, holding oh. call. Um, there, there were a lot of, un, as well. yeah, yeah. There were some uncharacteristic, um, well, Gould uh, fumbled um, yeah. a play too. His so first, I think, feel like that's his first career fumble. Don't remember him ever. Yeah, and, and I guess you know emotions could be in a play. Um, it was rainy. Weather, yeah. The weather. It was cold. Um, but yeah, it was just you know Oregon State can't. I and I think there has to be the positive in that is that Oregon State even with these kind of these mistakes, were they were still fighting and they were right in it, right in the thick of it. Um, it's just a matter now of getting over that hump. They have lost their three games by a total of eight total points. Heart breaker right there. Eight points separates Oregon State from eight and three and 11 and one. 11 and 0. Or 11 and 0. Sorry. 11 and 0. Wild. Um, okay. So we're going to have a special guest. We're going to um, nix that for now. Hopefully soon in the next week or two. Um, but let's talk some Pac 12. This is a, a chance in our. During our show, um, oh wait, here we have another. Matt Chiafoni yeah. says, "Oh, uh, reminds." I think he's referring to Katana Ladapo. Reminded me of Alafalava in 05. Good call. And and actually, Katana plays a lot like like Al. Um, he plays very hitter. physical. Yeah, very physical. Um, okay, so Pac-12, the week that was, Colorado got worked yeah. by Washington State. Did you watch any of that game Friday night? Uh, you were, you were probably half. yeah. You're um, the first half. First half, um, Washington State looked 
about as good as they did when they played Oregon State. Um, yeah. Complete game for them. I thought um, defensively, the Brandon Jackson with two humble yeah. recoveries for touchdowns, that's that doesn't happen a whole often. Yeah, two I mean, scoop and scores for the yeah. – yeah, it was um, – yeah, they – you know, Coach Prime, I guess, had the flu and yeah, Shador it was – too with Shadour's just been hurt. He just down. keeps getting yeah, hurt. And yeah, for me, just that offensive line is so bad. Um, I, I'd feel like they're a line. I feel like Colorado is another transfer portal class away, um, like it or not, from being a bowl team. Um, if they go out and get their guys, then they could be a team to watch in the Big 12 next year. Okay, but do you think, though, do you think this is going to be the answer for them to just to keep going to the portal, or do you think they're going to at some point need to build around what they have? Well, I, th- I think their plan right now is the portal. Just if you look at their recruiting, they really don't have a whole ton of commits. Um, I, again, think Dion is going to go to the portal with guys. He's going to get guys out that didn't perform or yeah, guys yeah. that would just like it or not. It's what he's going to do. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't. I, I don't believe it's the right way to – build a program but that's what what it's what it's where all their best players this year came from and there's going to be guys that want to play for coach prime you know there's a lot of attention around it a lot of glitz and glam and he's a hall of fame player so uh, i I, i'm expecting them to hit the portal pretty hard do you think okay just kind of sticking that line do you think coach prime (coughs) bolts and goes to one of these open jobs that'll be coming open here at the end of the year that's that's a good question. Um, have heard his name to AM. I don't necessarily think it'll happen. I think I think AM wants more of a win now with a more proven coach than Coach Sanders. Um, whether that's Kalen DeBoer, Dan Lanning, James Franklin, or Mike Elko. I I I, I see Dion leaving Colorado eventually, just not to a Texas AM school or to a school like Texas AM. I feel like he's gonna head back to Florida or Georgia schools where he's more comfortable. Um, okay. I just, I want to bring this up cause we're going to jump here. Sorry. I, I we have a, a comment here that I want your, your thought on Nathan Kerr in the chat says Beaver should have jumped or had let you a jump on the ball in the end zone after the high snap instead of the safety, they get seven, but then Oregon state gets the ball back instead of giving them two. And then the ball Monday night QB. What, what is your thought on that one? I disagree. I think the right play was to give Washington two points and the ball. Um, you know, Oregon State's defense played well. I don't think Washington scored, Washington scored on the drive after the safety. Uh, I feel like it's better to give the opposing team two points and your own defense a chance to go out and stop them than to just hand them a free touchdown. Um, I thought it was a very smart play from Josh Green. Um, savvy, it was a header in play. Uh, I think it was the right play. Ultimately, I mean, that play cost the Beavs either way, but yeah. taking the two points or giving away two points and taking the chance to stop Washington, I like that better than giving them a free touchdown. Okay, I actually agree. I, it, statistically, that's the, the the way to handle that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back to the Pac-12. This one surprised me. I, I didn't – the outcome <laughs> didn't – because I thought Arizona would beat Utah, but the way it happened, 42-18. Yeah. This game was never close, too. No, it wasn't. No, it was. It was. A, it was a surprise for me. You know, I uh, I checked my phone. I saw Arizona up twenty-eight zero. I was wow. Um, I was expecting it to be a closer game. I I also did think Arizona was going to win the game, but for them to come out and really just stomp Utah, which not a whole lot of teams do, was really impressive. And this this seems proved that they're they are a legit contender. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, what are games. your thoughts on Arizona? I mean, do you think – I mean, right now they're basically third in the Pac-12. I mean, I think Jed Fish is the Pac-12 coach of, of the year. I don't think anyone's done a better job. Um, and they're in the Pac-12 championship game if Oregon State beats U of O on Friday. Um, so I, I know all the Wildcat, the Wildcat fans are going to be pulling for Oregon State. But for what they've done with Noah since Noah Fafita took over has been incredible. Yeah, they've lost two games with them, but they lost to Washington by seven, and they lost SC by two. And, and if double I think overtime. They, yeah, if I think they played SC right now, I think Arizona rolls them. Yeah, yeah. Quite frankly. Um, very impressed with what Arizona has done. And, again, with Utah, without a quarterback, just so tough to compete in the Pac-12. Uh, Cam Rising is coming back for 
I want to say his 12th year uh, <laughs> next year. So he's on the Jaden Grant plan. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they, I think Utah will be a much improved team next year. So uh, <laughs> UCLA knocks off SC in the Coliseum 38 to 20. You think that saves Chip Kelly's job for a year? Uh, I don't, to be honest. Um, I feel like the UCLA people have had enough of them. Um, I, I, I was a little surprised by this result. Um, but again, with USC, it's just so much talent, but the coaching is just not there for them to have a Heisman trophy winning quarterback and just the amount of talent they have for them to be seven, for them to be seven and five is inconceivable. Yeah. Yeah. Even with a poor defense. Yeah. You still have talent, you know, they, I mean, it's. Yeah. And their defense has looked bad ever since they fired Grinch. So was it necessarily a Grinch thing? Well, what surprised me more about this score was the 20 points. They have an electric yeah, they, offense Williams, and they still yeah. only put up 20 points. They have the Heisman Trophy winner from a season ago. Yeah. Two good backs who got shut down. And then Brendan Rice, Taj Washington, all these stud receivers. And they're out here scoring 20 points in the Rose Bowl. Or I guess it was at home. No, it was at the Coliseum. Points in the Coliseum. It, it, it's mind baffling, and I, I think Clay Helton's record through two years at SC has been better than Lincoln Riley's. Yeah, well, and that's so. And something interesting to think about. Funny. I know UCLA is their their boosters and things are all hot for Jonathan Smith to go after him. Chip Kelly has a better record with than Jonathan Smith right now. They're like neck and neck, right at five hundred. They're both like thirty four and thirty four. They're both yeah, like right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, you know, you can, you can say all you want. I think UCLA is a, a bad job, to be honest. I mean, they, every time you, every time UCLA has an opening, it's, oh, we have so much potential. Okay. Mm-hmm. They've brought in coach after coach after coach. They also have no money and they can't sell out the Rose Bowl. So, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think UCLA is going to be a, um, a huge contender in the big 10 at no, all. I, I no. feel like they're going to be more like a, a Nebraska team where they're four and eight to eight and four every year fighting for, bowl eligibility yeah yeah I, I completely agree um okay and then we have cal stanford the big game cal knocks off stanford 27 15 not a huge surprise there yeah. um and then the washington, washington <clears throat> osu game jumping ahead it's a it's a week of rivalry games so we have the civil war oregon state at oregon u of o is currently as of this afternoon a 13 and a half point favorite does that feel right i, I feel like it does um oregon has been in my opinion, Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12. They are loaded with talent. Uh, and in years past, coaching has been an issue for Oregon. I feel like Landing's the best coach they've had since Chip Kelly. Um, this team's very talented, very experienced as well, which I feel like is not uh, touched on as much nationally. But, you know, Bo Nix is in his fifth year as a Division One starting quarterback. Most of their starters are second, third year, uh, second and third-year starters. Um, and I, I do feel like this spread is right playing at home against an Oregon State team that is coming off a rough loss. They're beat up. They're banged up. It, it's going to be an interesting game to watch. Um, I'll talk more about that game yeah. later on. But um, Colorado, Utah, Utah, 22-point favorites. It's at in Salt Lake. Yeah, I don't really know what to, th- to think about this game, <laughs> to be honest, just because – Colorado's defense is bad, but Utah's offense is really bad too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> might um, be a good matchup. You don't know. It, it might. I mean, I if Shadur Sanders does not go, I do not see Colorado putting mm-hmm. up a single point against Utah. Um, I think Utah wins. I don't even know if they score 21 points to cover that spread. Yeah, it's going to – It's it's I, yeah, it's a strain. I don't know what to think about that one. Um, Arizona is at ASU. Arizona <laughs> is an 11-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, that Take feels probably right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I um, think it's big. <laughs> Apple Cup, Washington, Washington State at Washington. Washington is 16 and a half point favorite. Yeah. I would love to see Washington State go out there and spoil the Husky season. Uh, go to a, and they're fighting for bowl eligibility yeah. too. So this could be a huge game for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, on the Washington State side, but Washington, too much talent. Um, you know, Michael Penix, Homa Dunze, I see them having huge days, and I, I think Washington wins. I think Washington State comes out, uh, c- comes out inspired, and maybe keeps the game a little closer in the first half. But I think the Huskies pull away in the second half. 
Uh, Notre Dame travels to Stanford, where the uh, Fighting Irish are 26-point favorites. Yeah, that's that's not going to be pretty. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a rough end to the season for Troy Taylor and the Cardinal. Um, I think Notre Dame doesn't struggle at, at, in Stanford at all. And then we have Cal at UCLA. UCLA is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. This, this one is, this is intriguing. Be, yeah, yeah, this one could be an interesting game. This, in my mind, outside of the Washington-Washington State game and the Civil War, I feel like this is the most intriguing Pac-12 game. Cal's, if with Cal with the win is going bowling, which could be huge for Justin Wilcox. Jobs, who, there's been rumblings around. I'm not sure how concrete any of that is, but hasn't experienced a whole ton of bowl game success there. And for them to get there would be huge. Uh, I think their quarterback it, is really good, uh, Fernando Mendoza. He's come, he's really come alive ever since. <coughs> excuse me, ever since playing against the Beavers, um, I I think Cal wins this game actually. Okay, that's I, yeah. I think this one's going to be uh, a really good game to watch. Um, okay, so I do want to. I didn't put it on a rundown, and we're going to take a quick break for the podcast side. But I do want to talk maybe. Maybe we'll talk after Oregon, but I want to talk a little bit about the Pac-12 realignment stuff um, <coughs> that we kind of talked about in the lodge late, late last week. But um, I do want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Matt Schiaffoni has asked a, a question in the chat as well. So um, we're going to take a quick break um, for the podcast. So if you're watching us live, we'll be, we're not going anywhere. We just have to take a quick break um, for when we pop this on the podcast. But I do, again, want to remind all of our listeners, if you are not a member of Beaver Blitz, tonight, starting tonight at midnight, um, it runs for a full week, Tuesday to Tuesday, the 28th. You can take advantage of our Black Friday promotion. It is our best promotion all year. You get a full year of Beaver Blitz for 75% off. It is, I think it's $26.85 for the year. Um, if you are currently a, a monthly member, you can upgrade on this deal. And if you're currently an annual member, then you move to the full price, but you get the uh, full Paramount Plus um, subscription as well. So um, there's benefits all the way across the board. So make sure if you're not a member or if you know someone that maybe be a great gift, let them know and join us in the lodge. Uh, we would love to see them, but we'll be right back um, to talk some ducks, mailbag and uh, realignment. Okay, we're back um, after a quick break. Let's talk some Civil War. We've talked Pac-12. We've talked Husky loss. This one's going to be tough. Uh, you know, Jake, you were just talking about that you think Oregon is playing the best of anyone in the Pac-12. I know earlier in the season, you and I both thought that was the Huskies. I, I would tend to agree with you now. Oregon, top to bottom, um, just looks like the most complete team in this conference. Bo Nix is playing very well. Bucky Irving. Um, they've got some receivers. So, just, just going to throw – what concerns you about Oregon? Really, most people would say their offense. I think their defense is really good, okay. um, which they're giving up uh, 310 yards a game just about, which I believe is best in the Pac-12, um, giving up seven, just, just under 17 points per game. Um, and they've got some studs defensively. Brandon Dorless, the defensive end, he's going to be an NFL player. Uh, the secondary – Kyrie Jackson's a guy, Alabama transfer, who has been pretty impressive this year. And then Evan Williams' a safety as well is very solid. Um, their defense is is very good. And then on the flip side, their offense, they their skill players are legit. They have two good running backs. Bucky Irving uh, might be the best back in the Pac-12. I think it's between him, Jaden Naughton, Damian Martinez. Jordan James may be the best complementary back in the country. He's electric. Scores a lot of touchdowns. And then receiving, Bo Nix has some studs to throw to. He's got his uh, adopted brother, uh, Tez Johnson, a transfer from Troy, who's been fantastic this year. And then Troy Franklin, uh, I think he leads the Pac-12 in receiving yards and touchdowns. He's been incredible this year. Uh, he's uh, he's a legitimate contender for the Nitnikoff Award. Uh, some solid tight ends as well with Patrick Herbert and Terrence Ferguson. This, the offensive line has been pretty solid as well, too. This is a very well-rounded team, complete team. And there's really not a whole lot of weaknesses at all. 
Yeah. And, you know, one thing I, I remember talking about in August was my question mark with them. One of my question marks was just how well this coach, <coughs> excuse me, this coaching staff was going to do bringing all these five star, four star egos, everything together. They've done a pretty solid job. Yeah. I mean, so hat tip to them on that. So just a few stats for you guys. Um, Oregon is averaging 47 points a game um, and they're giving up an average of 17 passing yards are getting they're gaining 350 yards to the air while giving up 214 rushing however they're rushing for 197 average per game and average giving up 96 i think Oregon State rushes for more than that this this week i think but they do too sacks against they've only given up 5 sacks while uh or while giving up or while giving 31 sacks yeah i mean pound That's, for pound this may be the best offensive line in the country that's a, I, it is a legit line. They're very well coached. Mike Cavanaugh is one of their coaches. Yeah, he's the analyst, offensive yeah, line analyst. He's, yeah, he's so, not the official coach, but he's familiar yeah. face for you, uh, for Beaver fans yeah. out there. Um, and then yeah, Bo Nix. I mean, like I said, the guy looks like he's forty, but um, he's been there he's, for a while. But um, yeah, he's I just think he might getting, be the Heisman front runner. Quite he's getting shit done. I mean, he he looked great against Sun Devils. Now. You can you can say what you will about their schedule, maybe not being the strongest, but um, again, like Washington, they're just they're they're winning, and and unlike Washington, who's <coughs> out some close wins, Oregon's blowing people out of the water. They're all their wins have been pretty convincing. They haven't played. The Texas Tech was a close game back in September, and then the Washington loss was obviously a close game. I think if they play Washington in Austin. Or if they play them again in the Pac-12 championship, I think Oregon wins, quite frankly. Um, really, I, I think Bo Nix is top two Heisman Trophy race right now. I think it's Tim and Jaden Daniels. Nix has been fantastic. He A 35 touchdowns, to, I believe two interceptions is mind-boggling. Crazy. Those yeah. numbers are crazy. He's done a fantastic job taking care of the football. Uh, there's going to be very few opportunities for Oregon State to capitalize on Bo Nix made mistakes. Um, so it, it, if he does slip up and make one, Oregon State needs to capitalize. Yeah. And, you know, last year he was hobbled in the in the Civil War with kind of that ankle sprain. Mm -hmm. I think he's healthy this year. Um, what are your keys to the game? If Oregon State has a shot at this, what does Oregon State need to do? You know, I think it's more of the same from last weekend. They need to control the ball, control the clock, take it away from, from, from Bo Nix and just grind the ball out with Damian Martinez. I – I think Oregon State's game plan should be the same, quite frankly. And I, I think if they execute it, they have a chance. Um, as as you saw last year, Oregon Oregon State can run the ball on Oregon. They did it last year 19 straight times, and we all saw how that turned out. Um, I would expect Oregon State to rely pretty heavily on the run, the run game again, especially if it's a close game towards the end of the game. I think they may have learned their lesson from trying to push the ball downfield against Washington, and if they are in that late-game scenario, I would expect to see a whole lot of Damian Martinez. Okay. Um, defensively, what, is, what does the Beavers need to do? Slow down the wash. excuse me, the wash. slow down the Oregon skill players. You know, it's going to be a tough challenge, especially in the secondary if Jid Robinson's out, if um, Achille Arnold's out, then guys like Jermaud McCoy, Jack Conne, Andre Jordan. So these young guys are going to have to step up and – and shut down some really good players. Some, some guys like Troy Franklin, who are going to be a day one or day two NFL draft pick here in a couple months, they're going to have to go out there and shut them down, which is a tough task. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be easy, but not you're at telling all. me there's a chance. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be a big week. So there's lots of discussion on Beaver blitz um, right now. And, and, and being civil war week, there's always good jokes and there's always good stories. So um, Great stories. make sure you're, Make sure you jump on over at Beaver Blitz and, and join in on those stories and, and jokes because it's always a lot of fun. Um, let's talk a little bit about the whole Pac-12 realignment because it, it kind of came up again. This Well, this last week, Oregon State, Washington State got the um, the ruling that they wanted. However, it's been put in a stay um, while the Washington Supreme Court examines it. So the, the Pac-2 does not have complete control yet. Um, we're waiting to see what happens uh, with the Supreme Court. Um, the Supreme Court's looking over the, the ruling. Oregon State and Washington, Washington State did on Friday receive word. Um, they put in a 
um, a request that it be expedited because the transfer portal opens December 4th and they need a ruling before that. So that was approved. So we are still a couple weeks out potentially from that ruling taking place. But the big news I thought last week when this all happened was the national media jumping on the narrative that this was going, that Oregon State and Washington State were running to form an alliance with the Mountain West. National media is hearing this narrative. I am not. Um, I am hearing that, yes, we will see some Mountain West schools in the, in the schedule, but Oregon State will be playing a more independent schedule. The, the, the kicker here and the thing that Beaver fans and Washington State fans need to keep an eye on is this whole scheduling alliance that uh, Gloria Alvarez and the Mountain West are trying to get done would basically hamstring the two pack two to having to absorb the entire Mountain West conference at the end of that two year independent mm -hmm. period. Cougars and, and Beavers do not want the entire Mountain West. That is like a reverse merger. They would do that now. This is worst case scenario. This is not um, the plan. So what I'm hearing is as of right now, this is kind of what Oregon State's trying to get done. You'll see one FCS school, which most likely is Idaho State. Um, they're already on the schedule. They've been on the schedule for years. Um, we're looking at five power five schools and six G five schools. Do you have Does Washington state go down as one of those power five or would they? Be yes. Like, yes. Washington so state would be Washington one state and Purdue. Washington state, Purdue. And then um, Boise now, state would be one of the G fives. Boise state would be a G five um, potentially looking to add, you know, so the, the idea here is, and then I've seen it, you know, well, would we play Oregon state and Washington state twice? No. What we'd play once in the regular season and then once in the, in the title game, pack two title game. Um, it's it's a it's a balancing act right now because a scheduling is is hard a year out not even a year out nine months out um, but you're also trying to build a schedule that will give you a decent enough strength of schedule um, that you could potentially get into a playoff scenario um, so there's a lot of moving parts here and and we're going to jump into the mailbag here in a minute but Tyler Stobe Stob on X Twitter said question for the pod how do you both feel personally about continuing the game with the ducks after this year a lot of beaver fans want to wash their hands of anything to do with the program down the road Jay, yeah what's your thought? for me they're very mixed feelings um part of me is you know just kind of like the whole screw them um where why should we go play them however if they come to corvallis and we're getting money out of it then i feel like it might not necessarily be a bad thing for the state um, it with in terms of recruiting as well, it's another opportunity to play a game in the Pacific Northwest or the West Coast, which could go a long way. Um, very mixed feelings on my part. Um, not really sure how I feel, quite frankly. But so let me tell you this: so Beaver fans and I think we were all kind of in agreement in August, and I think it was kind of this unanimous mm -hmm. FM. I mean, that's verbal laugh, lack of a screw them, as, as Jake said. So, um, but now as we've moved a little bit here with all these moving pieces, there is a potential to play Oregon on September 14th if mm -hmm. Boise State can, if they're going to move their game with Oregon. So there's some moving pieces here. Oregon wants the game because they'd like to have, you know, a, a game that they're not traveling clear across the country. Okay. Yeah. In my Oregon, mind, if the game's in Corvallis, then I'm all for it. Yeah. And I don't, I have not heard that whether, but I, I do think they're going to try to potentially keep this. Um, you know, we just saw the Apple Cup is has been signed mm -hmm. off now for another couple years. Five um, seasons, I think. I think, yeah, five seasons. But where this comes into play, and this is where I had my mind changed this weekend, is this whole strength of schedule deal. Mm -hmm. A for recruiting, because you want recruits and your current team to be able to play against good competition. And B, you need strength of schedule for the rankings and potentially to make it to the CFP. Those are kind of the two big areas. And so that, when you look at that, then you're like, okay, that makes sense. Another team I'm hearing potentially on the schedule or that they're working toward is Cal. So um, try to get Cal on the schedule. Utah is another team that could be, so we could be seeing some other PAC 12, former PAC 12 opponents. Um, Utah does have an opening I know on their schedule. Like I said, Cal, they're working through some things there. Um, so just keep your eyes open. That is what I'm hearing. Um, and not to say that, you know, my sources, my sources are pretty dialed in, but, um, this is a, a still a very moving parts deal. What I have also heard though, is coach Smith is very much in the know and in the, in the planning of this and knows what the plan is going forward. Um, and so 
and that they also plan to announce the schedule within the next two weeks. And we should have kind of word on that before the portal opens. Stay tuned. There you go. Um, I've had more discussion and more insight that I've put in the Logic Beaver Blitz. So um, again, another reason to get over there um, so that you can kind of read more of the insight and what I'm hearing. But that's kind of the 10,000 foot level of what, what we're hearing. And poor Jake had to walk with me through this, the stadium parking lot on, on Saturday and talk about it a lot. Um, let's see. Um, Rip City actually says, I know a lot of people don't want to play the Civil War, but I feel we need to play it and to keep some sort of tradition going. It will never be the same, but it's something. And yeah, I I, I hear it. I mean, that tradition and, and think about that, you know, the homeless, the independent team, Oregon State playing Oregon early. Um, what I don't like the idea, though, is if Oregon State is not able to, yeah. um, you know, if they're not able to control the finances and they don't, you know, if, if Oregon State is trying to cobble together a schedule and has a very small budget, I don't like that idea. It's not a fair, fair trade. Um, I think right off the gate, though, two years, if they're able to keep coaching staff and, and players for the most part, um, it, it could be a, a good point for recruits and uh, for the program. That's that's what I'm hearing. Okay, so let's jump into the mailbag. That was that was a good question, Jake. Do you have any other thoughts on on the whole yeah. playing Oregon? Nope. Okay, I do think other the other sports will be playing um, a lot yeah. of the West Coast. I know basketball said they are planning on once in the okay. in the non conference, and then I I'd imagine baseball, just because of the whole how how convenient it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm expecting them to keep playing in baseball. But but Jake, part of you don't you want to just be kind of like. Like you said, screw them. Like, why yeah. make it easy on them? I mean, it's also a good opportunity to go out there and beat them again. So, yeah, especially in, in like baseball, where we can just dominate them every year. True. I mean, very true. Um, okay, so not a ton of questions today. Um, there's we've had a couple questions in, in the chat about the bathroom situation at research. <laughs> so there was that viral video, and I don't know if yeah. it was a beat. Husky fan. It, I, it looked like a Husky fan. That's what somebody I, said. I'm also that, hoping it was a Husky fan. Yeah, somebody said it was a Husky fan. Um, basically, <laughs> the fly right in the middle of the concourse. Um, I so you and I we're up at the press box. We don't really have an issue, um, but I've heard from so many friends and my own kids that the bathroom situation yeah. is horrible. Um, I, I guess today Kimmy Massey was on Joe Beaver show and they did say mm -hmm. they did a walkthrough today. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, everybody, I've, all the guys I've talked to said this could all be, I guess in the men's room down on the new side of the stadium, it's all just, there's like five stalls. It's That's all what have. I've heard. Yeah. Um, I think it could be, didn't the old stadium have like the trough thing that you mm -hmm. get like a bunch of guys in at once. And, and on the old side, there's plenty of urinals, plenty of stalls okay. whereas the new side, but yeah, uh, Kimya came on the Joe Beaver show right after I did to, uh, this afternoon and he kind of just went over some upgrades or some new planning uh that the athletic department is is looking to um establish onto that uh on Teresa for next year um the show should be available on spotify tomorrow if okay someone wants to hear that interview of kimya yeah that's i mean because that's i mean poor planning very yeah poor planning. and again i i i really don't think they really knew how many people would kind of flock over there i think that's the reason why there were as many seats that looked empty on the on the old side um as they did is because now fans just walk around and get to beaver street where the view in my opinion is much better you can stand but it is very hard to navigate there i tried to go down there to see my grandparents and i walked around I walked like 270 degrees. I tried to walk through Beaver Street to get back up to the press box. I had to turn around and go back the other way. It was, it was just, so it was so busy. It was so crowded. So yeah. what about the other the old the old new side? Is it easier to navigate over there? It's very easy. I mean, okay. it was this last weekend. Um, at, at least just the walking area. I haven't really been through the uh, the back the concourse. concourse, like yeah. the back concourse with all this the concessions, but haven't really um, ex haven't. I actually didn't go back there at all this year, so don't really know how that was. But Rip City um, said that I was stand in standing room on Beaver Street. Bathroom situation was not great. Also noticed a ton of trash and bottles yeah. more than normal. So another another 
piece that people were talking about in the lodge too that I hadn't thought about is Oregon State closed reentry. So I think a lot of folks that used to run out at halftime to tailgate a little more would use the porta potties out in the parking lot. And, and now with they're trash too in terms and the of the trash, like, yeah. They would drink so now, more outside, whereas now the fans are drinking at the game where it creates more trash because they get more drunk at the game than outside and it just kind of spirals from there. Spirals. And but but again, I think this is all stuff that needs to be discussed. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a we were, we were talking about um, you know, Josh Pate from um Blake yeah, Josh was was on was at the game on Saturday. Um and, and he'd asked me, and we we have this discussion going. I saw somebody ripped it off, a duck fan ripped it off and screenshotted it and put it out on Twitter about the food situation in the in the press box. And look, I don't care. I, I bring my own or you know eat at tailgates, but um, you know, the, the Josh Pate comes up to me before the game and says, Hey, when do they put out the pregame meal? I'm like, well, they don't no pregame meal at Oregon state. They give you vouchers if you want to go down and eat at the concession stands, which when you're trying to do your job to have to go navigate the concession lines, it's, it's not easy. So there's a lot of things that they're cleaning up. I think with the concession stands, I mean, the sound system, um, yeah, but again, as well. There. With Oregon State, you know, this is a prime opportunity for them to really kind of set a, a really positive example, whether that be no tra- not trash, not everywhere, or yeah, people peeing on the concourse. I mean, this is kind of, it's, it's embarrassing, but, um, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't think they maybe necessarily realized that that many people were going to be there. And then, like I said, the, the reentry makes a lot of sense where there there's not the reentry. So now in the past, you've had all these people leaving at halftime now they're they're sticking around and, and filling facilities and and trash and everything else and eating at the concession stands so um interesting thing but um we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on it and talk to you know there's the good news is there's nine months for for Oregon State to fix these issues and, and make them better so um hopefully they will be on top of that um some recruits on campus Jake have you had a chance to touch base with recruits yet that's yeah. on your agenda um, I got in touch with four. I've gotten in touch with four of the five that are taking officials: uh, Peyton Stewart, who's committed, and then uh, another three. Um, sounds like things went promising. Um, they had two edges: an inside linebacker, corner, and then Stewart, an offensive tackle, all officially visiting. Sounds like things went well, and we we are expecting you know the recruiting to pick up here after this week, uh, especially with the transfer portal. There's going to be Oregon State's going to be looking at the portal, I would imagine, to get some more experienced players. So I, I would expect the roster additions and departures to start to ramp up here in the next in the next week or so. Yeah, it's going to get crazy. So you know, there's no downtime, Jake. This is your first season yeah. here, so we go right from you know you're not you're thinking end of the season. We get a couple of weeks before bowl game, but we go no. basketball. <laughs> we go right into basketball and actually recruiting. So um, signing day will be the twentieth. Yep, December twentieth, the Wednesday. So, um, base, yeah, it, it's this gets to be go time now. So our, our podcast after next week is going to be really heavily yeah. focused on uh, recruiting. Um, we'll talk some bowl game too as we as we get ready. But and there'll transfer be transfer portal, portal yeah. and uh, you know departures and also then um, signing day and all that that goes around with that. So, Coach Smith, Coach Smith did say in his press conference today that on Monday they will start their meetings. So I would imagine you may see the portal from Oregon State's and in terms of departures, you may see that uh, start to ramp up on Monday. Yeah. So for those that don't know, Coach Smith will meet with every single player on the roster. Um, they and do their the exit interviews yep. and, and the position coaches. So they kind of get a chance to find out where they're at, kind of in the in the you know what they need to improve upon. Um, and and sometimes those are hard conversations. If if Oregon State's able to, you know, if they're saying, you know, you we we love you, but there's really not a place for you um, as far as contributing those are some conversations that, that ha- get to be had as well. So um, Reeser B 23 said, assuming Jonathan Smith comes back, do you expect more attrition from our assistant coaches than normal? This is a good question. Um, I would not be shocked. Uh, I, I'm really not too sure what to expect, but I would not be shocked at all. If, you know, we saw coach blue get picked up coach was coach, coach fence. Um, I, I'm expecting Trent Bray and Brian Lindgren to be heavily pursued for, in Lindgren's case, maybe a Mountain West head coaching job, or in Bray's case, maybe a a, a bigger program's defensive coordinator job. But um, it it will be interesting to see how Oregon State attacks this and deals with this because these coaches are going to be heavily sought after this offseason. 
Okay, so let me just ask you right now. You have a, a set number. Coach Scott Barnes comes to you and your your coach Smith, and he says, "Here's a pool of money." But all your now all your assistants are kind of up in, in limbo. Who do you who do you make sure gets that money and and you keep them no matter at all costs? Trent Bray. Jim Mahalchuk and Brian Wozniak are my top three that really come to mind. I think all Brian Wozniak has done at tight ends coach is recruit well and develop kids into NFL tight ends. The three tight ends he's coached that, that have started in Hilatongi, Tegan Kitoriano, and Luke Musgrave are all either on an NFL roster or on a practice squad right now. And, and Jack Velling is next. He is going to be a heavily sought-after tight end probably schools are probably going to try and convince Helen to transfer and he's going to be sought after in the 2025 draft next year. Um, and then coach M has done a fantastic job as we all know, he's turned the offensive line into an annual contender for the Joe Moore award. Really one of the best units in the country year after year. And then what, Co what Trent Bray has done as the Oregon state defensive coordinator has been phenomenal. And you can bet that there will be big level programs that pursue him and Oregon state needs him to stay. Yeah. I, I would agree with you on the two on Bray and Mahalachek. Um, The third, I, yeah, I, I like what you're saying because I do think coach Waz is probably one of the best recruiters on staff. I, I do want Beaver fans to, to know um, too, that it is not a bad thing when these assistants yeah. move on. Um, no, that's, that's, so that's, you know, and, and this is how my, my opinion were, or my thought process goes on it is you've got, you bring in these young uh, position coaches and, and you want to develop them because that means they're doing a good job if they're, if you're winning and guys want them, um, but they're easier to find. You can find young, hungry position coaches, a lot of places. Um, in my opinion, since coach Smith is an offensive guy and if Brian Lindgren goes to, you know, be a head coach, I, I don't think that is as big of loss as if Trent Bray were to leave. So I think you I need to keep Trent Bray. Um, and then, like I said, Coach Mahalachek is kind of the, the elder statesman, I guess, of the group. He brings he's a the lot of coach, isn't he? I know, and he's not even that old, yeah, but um, but he has so much experience. I mean, he played for Coach Erickson up at Washington State. He's been um, he's been in the NFL. He's been at Cal. He's been you know all over Arizona, uh, Arizona State. Um, he was at Arizona too, wasn't he? Arizona, was he? yeah, yeah. Um, so he he brings a lot of of um, knowledge from that end and. I just think he's that steadying force and, and a good maybe sounding board for Jonathan Smith. Um, even though now coach Smith has kind of got his legs under him and is a, he's a, gosh, he's like a veteran head coach now. He's not even yeah. like a new guy anymore. So sixth year, um, sixth year. but that's, um, I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, that those are kind of your, you, you cannot lose. Um, we have some more comments here. Joe Swaim says, in my opinion, we never recovered from losing Omar Spates to LSU's big bag of NIL money. I actually thought Calvin Hart did a really good job. Yeah, I think Calvin Hart's been playing his best his best football as of late. Um, Easton's been solid. You know, tackling's been a little bit of an issue. But overall, I think the inside backers, I actually think Jam Griffin's loss has been more detrimental, which if you look at it, Jam has, what, six, seven carries at Ole Miss, which – it's a little interesting because he would have got that in game one against San Jose State, yeah. I think. Um, but I mean, you can't really blame him. Um, he's expecting a kid. Baby, um, yep, baby's on the way. Baby's on the way. So you can't really fault him for that, you know, making a decision that's best for himself. Um, but I, I do think Jam's, Jam's loss is hampering the Beavers more than Spates necessarily is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Joe Swaim also, with our short outside receivers, I'm surprised we don't run more screens and reverses. A freaking men you missed earlier, but that's what I was. I mean, I'd like to see more slants too, but get the ball. And then I preached this before and, and Jake's heard me is, is those guys are going to battle sometimes, you know, off the line, but if you can get the ball in those guys' hands in space and then let them go to work, then they're dangerous. Then they're dangerous. So hopefully we see a little more of that, get the ball to ant and uh, Silas, get it to him in space and, uh, Run, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Okay, so that pretty much does it. We have uh, wrapped up an, another episode of the damn podcast again tonight, midnight. Um, if you're not a member of Beaver Blitz, this is the time to join. 75% off. A full year Beaver Blitz for under $27. I think it's $26.85 is what it works out to. So join it, join Beaver Blitz. Jake is doing a tremendous job. I think he set a record for one day 
um, articles yet last week. So tied uh, it. I tied it because you tied it. They never made the post game press conference or basketball available. So I tied oh. it. One okay. short. <laughs> okay. Well, we've got a big, busy couple months for you. So um, join us in the lodge where all the good, all the good discussions happen until then. I'm Angie Machado. He's Jake Hedberg. Have a very happy Thanksgiving with your family. And we'll be back next week for another episode of the damn podcast.